Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. Uh, We have an awesome guest today. But before we get rolling, I want to give a quick shout out to a podcast legend. Lee Silverstein hosts the We Have Cancer podcast. Uh, This show has given hope and inspiration to me and countless other people facing cancer. Lee is a 10-year survivor of stage 4 colon cancer. Huge inspiration with that. And he has been such a big supporter of the Man Up to Cancer movement. So please check out the We Have Cancer podcast at wehavecancershow.com. I was fortunate to be a guest episode number 147. It's probably his worst episode because of me, but check it out if you want to. Uh, Lee, we love you, brother, and KFG. Hi, Kellen. Hey, Trevor. How are you doing? So first time back here at Man Up World Headquarters since uh, me and my family had COVID. Welcome. Yep. I, I stayed that necessary hundreds of feet away. <laughs> uh, good to see you're wearing your space suit uh, with yep. protective yep. gear. <laughs> Also, you have two bottles of Purell on you. Is that? Yeah, no, it's necessary. But although we did just hear the study that you might actually be the safest place to be right now because your immunities are are going to be better than mine at the moment. This so. is where the party's happening. I'm telling people like <laughs> I am. I believe that I'm immune for at least you know a couple more months. Is so. that why you just sat on an evite to everybody to just like yeah you know, come rub faces, come by, <laughs> like let's hang out. Yeah. So hey, it's great to see you again and to actually be able to do this. Yeah, 2021, man. 2021. Okay, our guest today, the one and only Jason Randall of Eudora, Kansas, also known as the Sasquatch of the Midwest. Nobody called him that, I don't think, until I did. But um, I do want to assure our listeners that no big feet were harmed in the production or the uh, getting Jason on the show today. Jason, welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast, brother. Thanks for having me, Trevor. It's great to be here. <laughs> oh, it's great to have you here. I want to give you a formal introduction. Jason is a stage four colorectal cancer warrior. He is a fierce patient advocate. By helping others and sharing his story with the world online, Jason has become a shining light of inspiration, knowledge, and kindness to thousands of people facing cancer and their families, including myself. Jason's a leader in Colon Town, which is an online community for people with colorectal cancer. He's also a leader and administrator in the Man Up to Cancer community. The tagline for Man Up to Cancer is open heart, warrior spirit, and Jason lives and breathes that approach to cancer. What do you recall about how long we've sort of been interacting online? Oh, it's let's see, it's been about over a year now. That um, sounds real sassy when you play put it like that. <laughs> how you, how you interact online? <laughs> just just give me a heads up about the. Well, I was, I was swiping left, swiping left, and then I hit on Jason, and there was yep. no more swiping. It was the beard that got you. <laughs> the beard sucks people in. No, uh, the uh, yeah, it's been about a a little over a year. Um, we first met and it was at Colon Town and I was just, I'm a very talkative person. I like to share my story. Um, and it just kind of naturally came together. Trevor just asked me one day, Hey, you want to, I'm starting this new thing. Would you want to be a part of it? And I'm like, hold my beer. Let's do it. And, uh, it was just like, right and then away, he drank your beer. Like, <laughs> yes, and then he drank my beer, but no, it's all good. It's, uh, 
it's been uh, great this last year. There's been a lot of ups and downs, both with the group and in both our personal lives. And so it's it's yeah. been really nice to get to know Trevor and all the other guys and kind of basically become family along the way and totally prop each other up and just help each other get through the less less fun times is what I'll put it. <laughs> yeah. So our big topic today that we're going to get into later is five tips to make chemo suck less. Uh, yes. Jason is an authority on this subject. Um, <laughs> so chemo does suck and he, he's going to help us out with that in a little bit, but I did want to, so yeah, let's get to know you and introduce you a little more to our, to our audience today. Um, sure. I think the thing that stuck out most with, with you was, I mean, first of all, the beard, I mean, it's impressive <laughs> and, and, but, um, no, the fit, the, the spirit, man, like you, you have this positivity about you. Yes. You acknowledge the suck and the downtimes, but you have this tremendous resilience of spirit. You, um, and when I saw photos of you and your family, your young kids, you know, I, I've got kids, your kids are younger than, than ours, but, um, it's that sense of sort of, we're both fathers and husbands going through this shitstorm, and um, and someone else who was just willing to put yourself out there, like you, you are just willing to share your story to, and talk about the the roller coaster as you call it. Um, so, man, you you have been through the ringer, my friend. Um, diagnosed stage four colon, colorectal cancer, July seventeen, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, correct. And I'm gonna just list off some of your accolades here: six surgeries, I think, right? Yep. Some some Y ninety radiotherapies fistulas, perforated bowel, biopsies, chemical burns. You lost more than a hundred pounds and the list goes on. Um, yeah, here you stand. So is it kind of surreal to think back about everything that you've experienced just in the past two and a half years? Yeah, it, it actually is. And it's, last week I was actually thinking about this. I'm just like my perspective of after, you know, two and a half years of doing all these things and a couple times coming really close to death. It's just, I don't know if it's really sunk in or if it's just I've gotten so used to kind of be in this survival mode that it's just I don't know it's it, it's a very surreal feeling because I do look back and I'm like wow most people look at that and their jaws just drop when you tell them and for me it's just kind of like I guess I've been rolling with the punches and I just try to keep that you know I'm very in the present and I try not to let the accumulative effects bother me too much so to speak but then when you do like when you take a step and you take a step back and you look at it, it, it is quite a bit. And I don't know, maybe the the attitude I've had with it has helped me cope with it. And it definitely has helped me relate to others, you know, that maybe while it does suck that there, there is another way to kind of approach it, look at it and to look more towards the, the light at the end of the tunnel, not dwell on what the bad part is in the moment, which is also hard to do at the same time as being present if that makes sense. So it's, it's definitely a balance on trying to figure out looking back and yeah, I guess the brevity hasn't really hit me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it so sounds like, you know, after in 2020, people kept on talking about the new normal, right? Like everybody was talking and, but I do feel like as cancer patients, you guys have been dealing with that idea for a lot longer than the rest of the world with these types of, you know, taking precautions or seeing things through a different perspective or trying to find joy in, in the smaller moments instead of looking out at like what plan might have gotten ruined. Like you guys are veterans at that ideal. It seems like. Oh yeah. In 2020, it was probably my best year. It started off really good, even though it kind of got worse because for about a year and a half, I was told I would never have a surgery. I'd never be operable. 
Uh, and then I sought a second opinion and they totally changed everything. Uh, went through a massive surgery. Uh, and now my prognosis is totally different than it was a year ago. Um, wow, that's great. I'm no, yeah, I'm no longer looking at indefinite chemo. Um, my liver that was about 80% covered at diagnosis is still hundred percent clear of cancer. So 2020 is great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you are, you're like that living example of, of the power of the peer to peer network and particularly with Colon Town. Um, you know, you went from that place where, yeah, you were basically told, get your affairs in order. And then you found, um, heard about Dr. Fong, right. At city of hope. Correct. Yes. And, and then, and, and you have been, um, you have done a little bit of a dance with Ned, uh, no evidence of disease for a, a while, but tell us where you're at now. You, you've had a little bit of a, of a cancer return, but you're on top of it. Yeah. It's kind of a interesting situation because a lot of like they technically you classify it as a reoccurrence. Um, but based on kind of the evidence at hand, um, it's, we missed a spot is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, uh, so I lost 35 pounds in the three weeks in the lead up to my surgery. Cause after in January I was told, okay, you're a candidate for the surgery. And then my stint decided to fail, which basically twisted itself, perforated my oh. bowel. I couldn't eat, couldn't really pass anything. Um, and they wanted to do emergency surgery like right then and there when I was at the hospital here at KU med center in Kansas city. I told him, no, I'm not going to take this surgery off the table uh, in three weeks. And so I basically, they sent me home with antibiotics and I didn't eat much. I lost a lot of weight and I made it to that three weeks, flew out to California, wow. uh, had had my entire right liver removed, 30 centimeters of colon, uh, gallbladder taken out, and I had a little bag for a while. Um, and yeah, and so... Did they take was, your wisdom teeth too, just as a throw-in or... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, they did not. <laughs> I lost two of those though, uh, October before because of chemo. Oh so, God. Geez. Yeah. So, but no, the, um, what was the original question? I kind of, Oh no, no, you're so. good. So yeah, I was just thinking you, you've had, um, the spot that they miss essentially. Yes. You were, you were no evidence of disease for a while, but then realized that there was a spot that still had active cancer in it. So what are you doing for that now? Correct. Yeah. So, okay. So we, with that, this part with the stent, it got really complicated. There was a lot of what they call phlegmin, which is hyperdense inflammation. And we simply just missed a spot. And so it kind of came back. I couldn't sit right for about a month. Mm. Uh, CT scan showed that I had a spot not touching any organs. It was just missed. And it's between the coccyx, which is the base of your tailbone near the sacrum and uh, my rectum. So it's just kind of floating there. And I went back onto four cycles of uh, Fulfirinox and Vextabix, however you say that word. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a uh, Pantumumab. There we go. And it's uh, <laughs> it's very effective for me because with after this second cycle, I could already tell that it was shrinking. And now I know the spot's gone. Um, I've become very in tune with my body the last two and a half years, uh, almost to the point where I don't get anxious anymore. Because I kind of know, which is hard in our world, but I just, I know my body and I know how to read it and I know when to freak out. Like I too actually had COVID last week. Um, yes, wow. you and I you are You guys the, are really just, <laughs> you know, solid. The cancer yeah. COVID club. Yeah. And, and at first I couldn't tell the difference really between, I could tell the difference between the side effects of COVID and chemo, but it was, some of them are like parallel. It's like they are the one and the same and it's hard to differentiate them. So, so yeah, so you had the radiation, you believe that that's working. And then, so what's next? Well, actually, so the, we, 
when the two days before or the day before I got COVID, my luckily enough, my neighbor, Matt, is a pharmacist uh, and he had instant tests. So I went up to his house, got tested and I got when I tested positive the next day was my basically my after my four cycles was my CT scan and then a radiology appointment. And it's all been canceled. Oh. So I've, I go back next week, next, let's see, next Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'll get my CT scan. They'll basically say, hey, it's shrunk. We'll know how much it's shrunk. And then basically we're kind of in a holding pattern with the radiology. They're going to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then I'm also going to go before a tumor board in case a surgeon's like, hey, let's just surgically remove it. So, but the plan is no more chemo. And that's big. <laughs> it just, uh, well, that's amazing, man. And and obviously we're all pulling for you and, and I'm sure you're going to get back into that dance with Ned, but it just strikes me to, it strikes me always when I see you online and read your stuff, or now that I'm talking to you, it strikes me how much of an authority you become in a short time over this, um, over this subject matter that you never, ever imagined in your life, you were going to need to be an authority in, right? Like, oh, so man. it's like, you should have you all these honorary degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, I just, it's, it's just, I was talking to Kellen about this before we came on today is that we normal. So we patients normalize these totally abnormal, crazy things in our lives and are able to talk about them. So matter of factly, like, oh yeah. So then I did this and then I went down and, you know, I was talking about going down monthly to Johns Hopkins for the new tri clinical trial that I'm in. And, right. and I think sometimes it takes people outside of cancer land to look at us and be like, you know, that the <laughs> this is a lot, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, it it's just our lives now. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of the calculation. You hardly even think about it. It's like next week I have uh, three appointments and I'm just like, Oh, that's a light week. Most people <laughs> are like, I see my doctor once every six months. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it becomes second nature. Let me just read a snippet of one of your Facebook posts. Looking sure. back on your diagnosis. It was not what you want to hear at 35 years old with two kids and a wife that is six months pregnant. It fucking sucks. It takes you to a dark place. One of despair and confusion. It's taken me a while to express how it feels after being diagnosed and hanging above the abyss of stage four cancer. Just powerful words. Can you talk a little bit about that, about, you know, that very real feeling of despair and, you know, especially being in your mid thirties with, with a growing family? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. At first it was kind of, I've always kind of had a positive front is what I like to call it. Um, but the very early parts were very dark and, uh, we found out thinking it was going to be, you know, some diverticulitis, take a couple antibiotics, be done, move on with life. And it really hit hard because my wife was just kind of out and about when I was, went to the doctor and then I had to give her a call. Like I called her right away and she's sitting there six months pregnant. And just to be told that it was just like, imagine one of those slow motion things where you have a huge glass piece and then the slow bullet just comes into it. Totally. And it's just like slow motion. And it's just like you, like, in you like at 35, you think cancer and you think stage four and you instantly think death. That was the first thing that came to my mind Yeah, was stage four is terminal. I, and you know, with the extent they showed in my liver about 80%, I'm like, Oh, what do I do? You know, it, it takes you back and it like a back and it just, it hits you so hard. It's like a gut punch. And it's, it took a while to process. And I think it was actually, it was my eighth cycle. It was two hours after I got my, my pump Hans and Franz taken off of me. And, uh, cause they're there to pump me up all the time. And they, uh, it basically, I, I went home and my wife, we, we did a home birth with our sons and I got home and my, I look at my wife and I'm like, Hey, are you, uh, are we having a kid today? And she goes, no. And then she has a contraction and I'm like, <laughs> 
grandma, take the kids, we're doing this. And it was the moment that I caught my second son, Hollis, in my arms was when like everything changed. And it was just, it kind of put a lot of things into perspective. And that's when I really found my, uh, my drive. It was just like, I can't, I can't leave these kids. Like this right here is mm. the most important thing in the world. And that's when I really, really started to come out of the funk. And I was like, okay, let's, what can we do to make this the best of a shit situation? Mm. and my kids man they're the biggest motivator that it's all my kids are very importantly equal to me but catching my youngest son in my arms after getting unplugged from chemo just gave me a drive that i don't i can't even describe it i mean <laughs> absolutely and so it's one thing to harness that to really make that round that corner and to just make that determination and just move forward for yourself but you also came to be and have come to be known as a, a really well-known advocate for others and a, and a patient leader. At what point in your journey did that start uh, coming together for you where you started to, to think about helping others as well? Sure. Yeah. It's, I kind of got late to the, joined the support online support group thing kind of late. Um, so July, 2018, I was diagnosed and I really started getting into the Facebook cancer support community around February. Um, and this will tie in later too. Uh, it was my integrative medicine doctor, uh, who has had a huge impact on my life. Um, that really started getting me into that. And I really started to seeing that there's a huge disconnect between the cancer world, the integrative world, and kind of just, there's things that you can do to help yourself that you don't see or that you're not told about. And, by my nature, I'm a, an analyst. And I think I just started getting antsy because I was off work for 10 months. And this was about six months into that, seven months into that. Um, I'm an avid researcher. I couldn't sit there anymore. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, start researching everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, there's so much out there that people are just lost about that I could help maybe bridge that gap. And then then it just started, I just started researching and researching. And eventually that's what led me into Colon Town and then seeing other doctors like, oh, wait, this doctor might, you know, let me go see him. And then boom, it yep. just fell together. And I'm like, well, you know, if I can easily do that together and it's, if it's easy for me, why not help others who may not know or even think about that? And I mean, I think since then there's been at least eight people that might've gone to see Dr. Fong. It may be not my recommendation or it might've started with me. I got it from one specific person and then it just yep. kind of cascaded and he's like a celebrity now. Dr. Fong is <laughs> over at Colin town. I mean, it, he's a amazing surgeon, amazing human. And I just, to be able to share that with other people, why not? And he, he even he himself said, and California alone, uh, about eight to 10% of the people ever get referred to a surgeon like him. And he could probably potentially help 40 to 50% of those people. Wow. To me, that's just, what the heck? Why not spread the word? If he says no to someone, at least they saw him and they said, hey, we saw, you know, one of the best. And so that's kind of what really sparked uh, seeing the lack of knowledge. Like just there's gaps. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can research all day long and then some random person from a different part of the country comes along and says, well, what about this? And it could yeah. change your whole day, your whole life. Well, like, <laughs> and like like we always talk about our, our local oncologists are just doing a fantastic job, but oftentimes they are just absolutely swamped just trying to keep up with their work, their caseload 
So they Absolutely. don't, they, they don't necessarily have the time or, or, you know, the time to go out there and do extra on, on your case. And that the same goes for the people, even the oncologists who are specialists at, at NCI centers. But, but like you said, when you, if you go on a place like Colon Town or other of those patient to patient groups, um, there, there are many, especially for, for all different types of cancers, that's where you can have those conversations about, Hey, did you see what's going on in Seattle or Dallas or Boston? And then you can go back to your local oncologist and, and say, Hey, you know, can we explore this? Is this something that we can look at? Um, so those are the kind of conversations that are just crucial. Absolutely. And on that same note, even my oncologist here in, at a, at a wonderful NCI, she was not about this surgery at all. Even when Dr. Fong, who's like a world-class leader in, in uh, colorectal cancer in the liver, she was still not having it. She's sure. like, I don't know. I don't believe it. And, you know, they kind of get, they get stuck in their niches. And this, this woman, uh, Dr. Baranda, she saved my life early on with her quick actions. And it just got to a point where she just didn't think it would yep. be viable to have liver surgery. And same with the tumor board and got a second opinion and it changed everything. It seems like human nature can be also a problem in those types of situations where I'm sure all physicians really want to do the best for their patients, but they also don't want to be wrong. And they probably don't feel that they're wrong, but that somebody else would come into a case that they feel very familiar with and have a different, completely different, you know, take on it. I think there's some, there's probably a little ego there. Well, and it is exactly there is. And I think what it took to actually finally convince her was she, her, her little mantra the whole time, because things weren't very good early on, was we're going to extend your life. We want to do anything to extend your life. And I told her after, you know, I scheduled the appointment, she still wasn't very about it. I told her, you know, you pretty much saved my life until this point, And I've responded wonderfully because your actions. And now there's an opportunity to extend my life years beyond the normal. And I think that kind of took her back a little. And mm. it's like, oh, here's some perspective given from my own words. And it's like, and that's where it's important to be a patient advocate, to be like your own advocate, not the patient advocate, but an advocate for yourself. Yeah. Because how many people were told that same thing I was, and then they just, just get discouraged. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it sounds like just from your story, I, I can't even imagine myself in the situation of being a, as strong of an advocate for yourself as you have been. I mean, just the fact that you walked out of a hospital when they're telling you you needed an emergency surgery and you were like, <laughs> no, like I just that I that takes a very certain level of comfort with knowing your body that I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's it was a very that whole situation was very, very I took a gamble and I won and I'm very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. So. so let's talk chemotherapy. What a fun subject yes. this is going to be. Um, I wish we had sound effects like wah, wah, wah. I, Yeah, I know. We need that board. <laughs> we need the sound effect board. Um, so there you go. One, one thing I really want to do with this show, you know, the podcast in general is to provide folks some, some actual usable tips. You know, a lot of times there's cancer talk that, we don't walk away from thinking, oh, that's something that can help me. But I know that a lot of our audience is on chemotherapy now or might be headed into chemotherapy soon. And you have always struck me as someone who really has a handle on mitigating side effects and and coming and, and the mindset of approaching chemotherapy. So <laughs> five tips to make chemo suck less. Jason Randall's gonna introduce us to them. What do you have on your list, buddy? Integrative medicine has been one of the biggest things for me um, along the way. And you got to be careful with integrative medicine because a lot of the times 
your oncologist will absolutely disregard it. Um, I got put in a very unique situation. I met my integrative medicine doctor who was at my NCI center, that same as my medical oncologist. I met him through a dentist, a new dentist I went to, who happened to have a list of doctors he supported. And I just looked at it and sure enough, my integrative medicine doctor was on there. Anyway, that part, he joined my medical oncology team. And so he talked directly to my doctor, which is the biggest catch up or the catch up, the hang up Mm -hmm. with integrative medicine is they, you know, the doctor, your medical oncologist hears the stuff like, oh, supplements. And they instantly default to no. All supplements are not created equal. But having a doctor work with a doctor makes the world of difference. A lot of people can't afford that. So I have put this down in like documents and stuff. So if people need it, I can provide this information too. Because it's a lot of good, healthy information. And a lot of it relates to not just stuff to like, not supplements. That's like a very minor part of it. Uh, and it, a lot of the bullet points I'm about to go over actually play into integrative medicine. Um, and yeah, so integrative medicine. So think of it as complementary to standard of care, not alternative. Mm-hmm. That's a big misconception. And that's a whole nother discussion and I won't even go into that. So, um, so integrative med, like it basically, it entails diet, mental health, like meditation and side effect control. So like in our world, a colorectal cancer is neuropathy from oxalplatin. And so I basically have a routine when I'm on oxalplatin that I take B12 vitamins. Um, I take some other supplements and then I take uh, what I do is I call it hot tub therapy, <laughs> even if it's just in your bathtub. And it's basically just stimulating your nerves in any way you can to prevent that. Um, and I guess I'm trying to, I guess I'm getting hung up too much on this. Is there anything specific? Because I mean, I could probably talk a full eight hours. On yeah, it. no, I get it. I get <laughs> it. No, stuff, I think, I think so. in general, like, so when we talk about um, integrative sure. medicine, if you, so for, for a lot of people who just, maybe they're seeing their local oncologist they, and they don't have a integrative doctor that they're connected with is there a place for them to begin to learn about it and and that's safe and has yeah that's that that's right because you can go down all kinds of rabbit holes not wikipedia uh, right exactly and (laughs) and we will again um we will put this on manuptocancer.com we'll put a link to it um but yeah maybe if you just want to if there is a good starting point sure um so like with integrative medicine so um, I'll, I'll stick with um, a bullet point here, like supplements. So certain supplements you want to avoid, but there's some that I take that my integrative medicine doctor noticed via my scans that I had tend to have higher inflammation than other patients. Mm. And so I went on a regimen of turmeric is a very specific thing. And I could almost tell within two weeks that I could pass stool easier because it, he worked for the whole, not just, okay, Hey, we're going to take this and it's going to do one thing. It was a long-term kind of heal your body with the inflammation because that can also play into having bad side effects with arenatecan, with oxoplatin. And so it's more of like a holistic approach to your cancer treatment in addition to standard care to help ease some of these things. And so the next one is music therapy. That's been huge for me. Like, okay, so I have a routine that every morning I get, I wake up, I go over to my studio apartment where my office is now since I work from home. Um, and just to be clear for our listeners, yeah, so this is the second, we're moving on to his, the second big tip here to make chemo suck less is, is music <laughs> therapy. And anyone who 
um, is connected with Jason online knows that this is such a huge part of, of what you do. Oh yes. So I have, I have routines before I have routines that I wake up daily to, and I listen to certain music. Um, reggae has always been a very big one for me, uh, ever since high school. Uh, the positivity, it has a, a good message behind it. It's not all just about what some people think of Rasta's doing drugs and stuff. There's a very positive message behind it. Um, a lot of it deals with oppression also. And I've kind of done a music therapy to where I take words of lyrics of songs, no matter what they deal with. And if they can relate in a way to where I relate them to my cancer experience, I try to do that. And basically it's a, it's, it's almost spiritual in a way too. Yeah. You uh, connect to it and it's just like, okay, so I have a stereo system hooked up and I've got a really, and I'll just sit there and crank it to like 65 Nice. and I'll just let every beat hit me. And I, it's, it's, I think I sound crazy explaining this, but it works. So I don't know. Well, and so it's, it's uh, your form of meditation, kind of. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's in the meditation doesn't have to look a very specific way. It's all about. Well, that's actually a good entry point to, to I believe tip, his tip next three? tip three is meditation. Yeah. Now this is going to, yeah. So, th- so that word itself can be intimidating, especially to yep. a lot of the dudes out there like, uh, yeah, like, uh, am I going to close my eyes and imagine being in a, in a meadow of flowers, right? So, um, but meditation is any of, it's a wide number of modalities and things to different people. Talk about, when you talk about meditation, what are you focused on? Um, I do a very specific meditation um, called psychosemantic wellness. And there's a a doctor, Candace Pert, she's now deceased. Um, she was the neuroscientist that discovered the opioid receptors in humans. And the majority of her work after that was based on neuroscience, music, and the body-mind, the awesome. mind-body connection. And uh, she has a book called Molecules of Emotion, the Science Behind Mind-Body Medicine. And that's I recommend that to anyone because a lot of this stuff with meditation, if you don't go 100% in, you're not doing any good for yourself. Right. Why bother? Yeah. And I have to emphasize that that's what took me forever. I wasn't all in. And then one day this meditation specifically clicked and I don't know where the heck I went, (laughs) but it was very healing. (laughs) You know, some people may call it uh, a healing energy. Some people call it God. Some people call it, you know, the universal Mm. energy, whatever it was, I connected to it. And that's when things really, I, I came to terms with my life basically with this meditation at the time when that, that that's what the prognosis was and it it lifted a lot off my shoulders it was weird it was almost like you come you, you get this feeling of peace a very very deep peace and so they use this psychosemantic wellness uses binaural sounds uh, audible sounds and it also uses like proven like stuff that's proven by science and it you can feel the relaxation like in your body once you connect with it it took me about a month and a half to fully connect to it but when i did it was just like what was what the hell is that like where did i go and then there was times where i couldn't even listen to it while i was driving because i would have just driven off the road because it just made me get so focused on what i was focused on and basically it was, hey, find a way to make this the best of your crappy situation. <laughs> and so even with even with the meditation, I would go into chemo with doing this. And sometimes I'd just fall asleep and the nurses would have to come wake me up. And they're like, hey, what are, what, are you okay? And I'm like, sorry, I, I, I was 
I don't know where I was, but I was meditating, you yep. know, and, and it's, if you, the thing with it is my advice is stick with it. Don't give up on it. Find ways to make it work for you. If it's not working, find another way. You, the, the, the out of the box approach will never work for 99% of the people. Yeah. Habit forming is tricky and making yep. sure you kind of fit it within your structure and don't try to necessarily bend to the structure that people are telling you a lot of the times is the way to actually form a healthier habit and keep it going. Yep. Tip number exactly. four, go for it. Family. And I kind of touched on that earlier is man, family is everything. It's, uh, in what by, I guess what I mean by family is not necessarily like all your family, but your immediate <laughs> core family. That sounds Thank- like the other tip is like, yeah. maybe just some of your family. Yeah. Thank goodness yes. you said that. So, uh, I, I have a very supportive family, like extended family. And I know not everyone has that luxury, but your core family mm. is crucial. And, and luckily I've had a very non-toxic relationship during this with my nuclear family. Um, but if, if it does spill out beyond the nuclear family or if there's someone toxic within that, man, get rid of them. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's hard and it's there's no easy way to say it, but you've got to do it for yourself. Well, and family can be created, not necessarily just, uh, you know, Absolutely. who you're related to. And Oh, my gosh. Man up to cancer. There's so many family members there and coal in town. It's family is important. I'll say this a lot. I was distrustful of social media and didn't really think it had too much positive purpose in the world until I got cancer. And now through mm-hmm. the, through the colon town and other communities. And then as the howling place community has grown over the past year and, and seen how much of a family that can be. And particularly for, for guys who might not have that nuclear family and, and are looking for those connections, you know, it's, it's a really great thing. Um, let's, Let's. I do want to get to the gauntlet of random questions with you. So let's get on to the the fifth thing about chemo sucking less. Sure. And okay. So this is actually. Um, I got a re reminder after my reoccurrence here, and I. So I've been through thirty four chemo cycles. Um, wow. The first nine were full uh, full Fearnox, which is a little different than full Foxiri, um, and it's two really heavy drugs, and. I did not do so well the first couple cycles and it's because I didn't move and I just laid there mm. and I didn't do much and it kind of, you know, it's almost like a use it or lose it in a way. And I know there's some This is, situations. we've heard this from other patients and that, that specifically moving and the difference between going through a cycle and feeling uh, more stagnant and going through a cycle and making themselves, forcing themselves to like move while they were getting it or move, you know, like that, it made a huge difference for them. So. Oh, absolutely. And in there's certain situations I get to where you just, you can't move right? and don't beat yourself up if you can't move. I mean, it's, it's your reality, but once you get that motivation or you get that feeling, don't let it go, get up, move. Um, This last four cycles, the very first cycle, I was out five days straight. I had to take off work. I slept about 15 hours for two of those days. And then these last three cycles, I haven't had a single down day. And it was because I just got up. And I, it's it sounds so simple, but it's so true. If you just, I mean, you got to keep moving, you know. And you, you like, but kind of back to number two here, not to backtrack, but with the music therapy, before I go into chemo, I have a very specific playlist set of songs that I play. Yeah. And I'm walking in like I own that place, you yeah. know, and it's just you. It's 
you got to keep moving. KFG. Yeah, and, and KFG. And, and I think the trickiest part, and this was really tricky for me, was when to listen to that voice in your head that says, you know, it's okay to rest. Like, hey, lay down, man. You're, 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 you need this rest right now to heal. And then mm-hmm. the voice in the head that's saying, no, like, you, you don't need this right now. Like, get up and, and get on the stationary bike or, or move. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to even know what your instinct is telling you. Um, so I think to your point, like, yeah, there's definitely no guilt in, you know, rest is important. If you need to rest your body, then do that. Um, right. and, and no guilt in that at all. But then to just, just that reminder and like, Hey, if, if I can m- do some movement, even if it's just a walk down the hall or, or mm-hmm. a quick walk outside, whatever, even if it's minimal, or even if you're thinking, man, this is like nothing, this is so minimal. I used to climb mountains and now I'm just walking down the hall twice. Like that's a victory though, is just that little movement. And, and to encourage yourself to try to at least trust your gut when it comes to needing rest versus getting your ass in motion. Well, and also it sounds like right. back to tip number one about integrated health, about like the mental health structure, structure, because your mental health could be, the voice in your head could be also depression. Right. And, you know, and so it could be trying to make you more set of, you know, like yeah. laying still in yeah. that place of mental health. And so that even occasionally trying to push a little bit outside of that potentially, I mean, again, yeah, no, that's a doctors great point. are, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a doctor. Thanks. So. <laughs> Let's have a good asterisk here for that. Yeah, this, this, we do not provide medical yeah, advice and cannot move. be held liable. <laughs> But no, you, you, you give really good mental health advice right there because like a lot of the stuff I'll do too is these thoughts you have are very real and valid no matter right. what. You you can push them down, you can, but I don't I don't think that's a good idea. A lot of the times I'll find myself writing something out, even if it's typing it. And if you want to share it, share it. But if you want to just get it out, just put it somewhere and then delete it, at least it's out. You've expressed it. Yeah. Yeah. I know so many guys will just bury stuff and it's just, that's so bad. I used to do that. And that's part of that psychosemantic wellness meditation is finding stuff that you may not even think causing you problems. Just let it go. Let that burden go. (laughs) Um, Are we able to, uh, is it okay if we share your email? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So how about the Colon Town one? Tell people what your email address, if they want to reach out to you personally and ask you about integrative medicine or, or any other of these tips, um, tell them how to reach you. Sure. Absolutely. Um, email is probably the best way since I know not everyone's on Facebook. Yes. Um, my email address at Colentown is Jason Randall at colontown.org. Uh, and you spell my name J A S O N R A N D A L L at colontown.org. Jason Randall at colontown.org. Okay, Jason, we got to finish up, but we are putting sure. you, we are putting you through the gauntlet of random questions. It's awesome. happening. Um, okay. Are you prepared for this? As prepared as I'll ever be. Okay, good. How often do you get mistaken for a member of ZZ top? (laughs) Uh, not very often. I don't, I don't get out much with this COVID thing. Okay. But it has happened before. If you were to get out, do you think it would be daily, weekly, or, or... I think I think daily. I personally. feel like now I feel like your reference is a little outdated, and and ZZ Top is is like outdated. Beard. He's a young man, man. <laughs> he's like he's more of the well, what? What's like the? I did go for Halloween as ZZ Top. Oh, See, he knows who it is. Right. Come on, man. I just I, I feel like uh, generationally a more, a more uh, current reference <laughs> more would be more appropriate. <laughs> Kellen, you're killing uh, me here, Kellen. About once a month. How about that? Okay, yeah. there you go. Um, if you had to choose one animal to help you win a fight, which animal would you choose? Oh, a leopard. 
Because oh. they eat faces. That is fierce, man. Uh, who is your celebrity crush? I think I'm stumped by this one. Well, All right, what's the last like celebrity you can remember? <laughs> we'll go with Shakira. Oh, oh that, okay. yeah. Hey, when I mean, hips don't lie. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe Carrie Fisher as Leah. R.I.P. Carrie Fisher. Leah, sorry. Uh, R.I.P. Carrie Fisher. But, you know. <laughs> you must have saw that photo where I wore the... I did. The wig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question. Uh, Mac or PC? Oh, PC all the way. He's, yeah, he's an engineer base. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I knew that was a softball, but I put it on here anyway. I, I used to build computers too. So. Yeah. <laughs> if you could see one movie again for the first time, what would it be? The Big Lebowski. Oh, man. I love you even more. Okay. <laughs> now, the final question is the question, you know, that we all, we all, we all know the question that's coming, and I know where you stand on this question, but I'm going to ask you again. Oh, and you don't like where he stands on this question? I mean, no, I don't. Uh, I, I'm going to answer it before you ask the question. How about that? <laughs> okay, go for it. Pineapple, pi- pineapple belongs on pizza. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. And this interview had gone so well. <laughs> Jason, I'm gonna do, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a poll on Man Up to, the Man Up to Cancer public Facebook page. We're going to do a poll. It's going to be all Team right. Trevor or Team Jason. <laughs> Team Trevor is no way in hell does any pineapple or any other fruit come within six feet of my damn pizza. Team Jason is like, yeah, bring on the pineapple. You and know, tomatoes are fruit. Today, I think that's debatable, isn't it? <laughs> I call it a vegetable. <laughs> I, um, I feel like we need a fact check person on okay. this, and neither one of us is no, going to apply. Gonna, <laughs> but we're going to do a poll. It's going to be Team Trevor versus Team Jason. We're going to see where it goes with that. But no, you know what? It, it's going to be close. I feel like it is. I feel like in the Howling uh, place, it's like it's pretty close to 50-50. Although lately, I feel like there has been a surge of pineapple supporters. So I feel like it's a little bit of an insurrection. And I feel like maybe someone's been leading them (laughs) behind the scenes. Could it be you? I don't know who that person would be. (laughs) (laughs) Although I did take a pineapple and pizza break for Trevor over the holidays. He did. That was so nice. I really do think that having a world-renowned chef on here... working against your point of view did not help your case. Wait, are you on me again? This is like, <laughs> Kellen and I haven't been together in the same spot very long, so she feels the need to just really oh, throw me God, under the I bus today. I got so much razzing to catch up on. <sighs> it's just like, it's yeah, just... Love it. All right, we're going to agree to disagree, but we will have our poll. And um, hey, thanks, man. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you for being who you are and such a, a huge positive light in our world. And um, And thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the kind words. And thank you for everything you've done too, man. I love you so much. (laughs) I love you too, brother. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open. Thank you.